Good morning, church. Thank you for joining us this morning on this Mother's Day uh, online. Um, you know, I, I looked at uh, an article the other day and, and saw that Mother's Day is, is uh, the busiest day for people to go out uh, and eat at restaurants. And so uh, men and uh, uh, sons and daughters, it looks like you may be cooking today, okay? Stay safe. Listen, we, we welcome you. Uh, we are a family here at, at First Baptist Church Olive Branch, and we as a staff, we miss you guys. I miss you tremendously and, and love all of you. And, you know, families are, are supposed to be spending uh, days like today together, right? I mean, it's Mother's Day. And I wish that we, we were all together uh, today, but we are not. I wish we could celebrate the women of our congregation uh, together, but, but we can't, at least not, not in person. So this morning, before we dig into our passage in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I would like to acknowledge mothering and, and let uh, all of you know how much, and I feel that, that I'm speaking on behalf of our entire congregation, I'm speaking on behalf of everyone, how much that we think of you and how much we love you. You know, in our presence today, albeit online, we, we have soon-to-be moms, uh, we have single moms, we have happy moms, we have fulfilled moms, we have empty moms with us today. We also have bereaved moms, we have adopting moms, and we have infertile moms. And, and we have women who have longed to be moms as well with us today. Ultimately, listen, ultimately God is with you all in all of it. Uh, he is your redeemer. He is your family keeper. He is your sanity saver. And he is your purpose giver. And so this Mother's Day, we walk with all of you. Mothering is not easy. And, and at times, mothering can be overwhelming. And at times, it's a, it's a thankless job. But listen, we have real warriors here at First Baptist Church Olive Branch, and we praise the Lord for you. We remember you, we love you, and we thank you. We thank you for walking through this thing that we called life with all of us. Allow me to pray. Lord, we love you. God, I thank you for our ladies in this church. Um, God, I thank you for how they've poured into me and, and they've poured into many in this congregation and in this community. And I pray for your blessings upon them today. I pray for your blessings upon their families. And Lord, I thank you for the work that you have given them and that they have completed and the job that they have yet to do. Lord, I pray for this time. I pray as we open your word, uh, God, that you will be honored, that you will be blessed. God, show us, show us what love truly means to us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So, love is one of the most common themes that's found in music, that's found in literature, and found in film. And arguably, there, there's a theme of love in nearly every single story. Whether it's the desire for love, the loss of love, or complications surrounding love, love is a common human experience. We love our families and our friends and we search for that true love with whom we can share our lives with. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, that chapter is one of the most famous chapters in all of the Bible, and rightly so. Love is the central message of the gospel itself. In John 3:16, the word tells us, For God so loved 
the world. Think about it. The Bible's simplest description of God's character is love. In 1 John 4, um, verse 8, it says this, The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is foundational to Christian identity, uh, to Christian theology, and, and to Christian living. Unfortunately, this chapter of Paul's in, in 1 Corinthians 13, this chapter uh, is often read and, and understood in isolation from its context. There's no doubt that there's a um, unique quality to Paul's content that, that stands on its own. Right? For example, uh, this chapter is often read at, at weddings, right? But listen, Paul's overwhelming discussion in chapter, uh, chapters 12 uh, through 14 in 1 Corinthians addresses spiritual gifts, it, it addresses ministries, and activities in the life and in the worship of the church. So, some gifts um, coupled with divisions and, and self-centered behaviors uh, caused in, uh, problems in the Corinthian church. And, and so Paul intentionally inserted this digression about love to clarify uh, and establish what he says right before this chapter in, in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31, an even better way for the Corinthians to act. He wanted them to desire spiritual gifts, yes, but spiritual gifts are an ultimate. Love is. So listen, if the, if the church isn't being built up, then, then spiritual gifts uh, aren't being used appropriately. And so simply put, Paul, Paul tells us in, in chapter 14 and near, near the end of that chapter, he says everything is done for building up. So how can the building up of the body of Christ happen without love? And so that's the question for us today. How can the building up of the body of Christ happen without love. You see, as, as believers, we have to be motivated by love when serving others, especially now, especially during this time where there are so many unanswered questions. There are lives falling apart. There are jobs being lost. There are probably marriages that are, are going south right now. And so listen, we have to be motivated by love when we serve those around us right now. They have got to see the message of the gospel in our lives. In verse 12, 31, again, when Paul says an even better way, he wanted to show the Corinthians um, it was the way of love. That is the better way. A love that is not so much uh, defined in these verses as it is described. The emphasis is, is more behavioral than it is ideological. There, in this love, there, there's a uh, protecting, trusting, optimistic, persevering character to love rather than the selfish, critical, envious, unrighteous character that was being uh, displayed in the Corinthian church and really is today. So this is a message for all of us today. Understand love. Let's dig in. I want to begin with a, a question and so, um, there online, we have the little chat window. So listen, if, if you feel uh, that you want to answer one of these questions, again, use this time uh, like we have in the last eight weeks or so on Wednesday and on Sunday to, to connect with each other. When you, when you write something in there and you're reading it, um, 
uh, there could be prayer requests in there as well. So just, just kind of be attuned to, to what God's doing in that chat room. So here's the first question if you would like to take part in that conversation. What would it look like for your spiritual gifts to function without love? What would it look like for your spiritual gifts to function without love? Let's dig in now to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're going to take a few verses at a time and break them down, okay? So here we go. Here's verses 1 and 2. Paul says this, If I speak human or angelic tongues but do not have love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so that I can move mountains but do not have love, I am nothing, Paul says. And so the first um, point this morning that go along with verses 1 and 2 is this. Love is required to share the gospel. Apparently, the Corinthian church... Um, overemphasize the gift of practice uh, and practice of speaking in tongues, given the amount of time that, and attention and clarification that Paul devoted uh, to the issue in chapters 12 uh, through 14. Speaking in tongues of men and, and of angels is an empty pursuit if we don't have love, Paul tells us. Even the greater gifts like prophetic powers and knowledge are worthless without love. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, um, it lifts up the gift of prophecy and the important role it has for building up the church. But Paul tells us here that anyone who has the gift of prophecy uh, doesn't have love, um, but doesn't have love is, is nothing, is nothing. So listen, no, no matter how much good comes from prophecy, it's valueless unless it operates with love. Paul said the same thing about uh, understanding all mysteries and all knowledge. And listen, church, we, we are no different today. If we can gain all of the knowledge that we want through discipleship and through our Bible readings and through sermons and through classes, um, all the knowledge that we can get our hands on, and listen, we can even narrow in on our, on our spiritual gifts and, and work to strengthen them. But listen, if we are not doing the work of the Lord in love, and doing the work of the Lord with love. We are nothing, Paul tells us. We're nothing but noise. Listen, these days, well, for all time, most people um, can, can see when you are being authentic. And I believe that, that love is required to share the gospel, but that love has got to be something that comes from Jesus, flows in us and through us in an authentic way. So let's look at, at what uh, can be gained from love. In verse 3, Paul says this, And if I give away all my possessions, and if I give over my body in order to boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So the second point from verse 3, love should be the motivation behind sacrifice. Jesus taught in the Gospels this in Matthew 21, verse 21. If you have faith and do not doubt, and demand that a mountain be cast into the sea, it will be done. I mean, what an amazing statement. Surely Paul had this same kind of faith in mind when he referred to the spiritual gift of faith in chapter 12, when he is discussing the diversity of spiritual gifts and says uh, exactly this in verses 8 and 9. And I do want to encourage you, go back. I'm, I'm, I'm referencing verses 12 and, or I'm sorry, chapters 12 and, and 14, with we're looking at 13 stuck in the middle. But again, this is all in context. So sometime today, um, 
look at 12, read 13 again, and look at 14. So, so this all stays in context for you, okay? So Paul, again, says this in verses 8 and 9, to one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit, to another a message of knowledge by the same Spirit, and in verse 9, to another faith by the same Spirit. So I believe that Paul had this same kind of faith that, that Jesus is talking about in Matthew 21 in mind when he referred to the spiritual gift of faith, okay? You know, um, such an incredible spiritual gift of faith um, that, that can move mountains um, is absolutely nothing with love. Faith isn't unimportant, but it pales in comparison with, with selfless, others-focused love that Paul prized above all else in this chapter. Love is almost as important as any personal sacrifice we might offer, even for the benefit uh, for others. Even if we give away all that we have, Paul said that we gain nothing of lasting significance if love is left out. You know, sharing our possessions with people in these a clear, a clear signal uh, for the world of gospel life operating in us. Listen to what Acts 2 verse 45 says. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Acts 4 verse 32. Now the entire group of those who believed were of one heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of his possessions was his own, but instead they held everything in common. James chapter 2, verses 15 and 16 says this, If a brother or sister is without clothes and lacks food daily, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, stay warm, and, and, and be well fed, but you don't give them what the body needs, what good is it? And our last verse, 1 John chapter 3, verse 17 says this, If anyone has the world's goods and sees a fellow believer in need, but withholds compassion from him, how does God's love reside in him. So listen, it, it, it is sharing our possessions with people um, that are in need is a clear signal of the gospel living in us. And that should be our goal. When, when we are living the gospel life that, that Jesus has given us and created for us, and it is lived by pouring out love into people, that can make such a huge, huge impact but we have to be careful because if the motivating uh, principle for giving away our possessions might be pride rather than love, that's something, again, people can see authenticity. So we have to love in authentic ways, okay? If we're giving something um, to somebody to get something in return or to be recognized for it, is that truly giving in love? So listen, let's move forward in verses 4 and 5, and we're going to take a look now at the qualities of love. And I have another question for you, so in that chat, go ahead and answer this if you'd like. How do you see God's character in Paul's description of love? So let's dig into verses 4 and 5. Paul says this, Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Is not boastful. Is not arrogant. Is not rude. Is not self-seeking. Is not irritable. And does not keep a record of wrongs. So the first two qualities, which, which describe love as patient and kind, form a complementary pair here. Patience here is, isn't so much um, the willingness to wait as much as it is the willingness to endure offenses uh, with retaliation. 
rather than to repay evil for evil, love repays offense with kindness. Colossians 3 verses 12 and 13 say this, Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. So then next, Paul issued a series of negated qualities that emphasizes what, what love isn't. Love doesn't envy and it doesn't boast. Love isn't jealous to have something that belongs to another. Neither does, does love boast either about status or, or gifts. Love isn't arrogant. Love never exalts itself above others. Instead, love builds others up. Love isn't rude. It doesn't behave improperly toward others. A foundational aspect of love is that it doesn't insist on its own way. Likewise, um, love isn't irritable. It isn't easily angered or provoked, ready to erupt. Love doesn't demand its own rights, nor is it touchy or defensive. Love isn't resentful. Literally, it does not calculate the bad and hold that bad against a person. Love doesn't keep a ledger of offenses for a later reference. And church, listen, I don't, I don't know about you, but this list, that, that these negated qualities that emphasizes what love isn't, look, that challenged me. Love doesn't envy. Love isn't jealous. Love isn't arrogant. Love isn't rude. Um, love isn't resentful. Love doesn't keep a ledger, a, a record of wrongs. Listen, this is challenging for me. And right now, this is what I mean about being authentic and allowing God to, to have that, to pour that love into us and for us to, to pour out that love to the world in an authentic way. People see through those that may not be authentic. And so love, love, love isn't resentful. Love isn't rude. Love isn't arrogant. Go and love those that need love right now, today, in this day and time, in a humble way, in a teachable way, and in a way that only Christ can help us, can help us do. Um, just as the Lord doesn't count our sins against us, once we are in Christ, listen to what um, um, 2 Corinthians 5 verses 19 says. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So, just as the Lord doesn't count our sins against us once we are in Christ, we should also, listen, we should also forgive and forget the offenses of others. Matthew 18, verses 21 and 22 says this, then Peter approached him and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? As many as seven times? And then Jesus says, I tell you, not as many as seven times, but 70 times seven. Be the light, church, in an authentic way. Show love in an authentic way. So let's move forward to verses six and seven. And we see how love overcomes sin. Verses 6 in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul tells us this, Love finds no joy in unrighteousness, but rejoices in the truth. 
It bears all things, it believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So when Paul claimed that that love doesn't rejoice at righteousness in verse 6, he meant that those who belong to God take no satisfaction in sin. There should be no association with, with uh, professing Christians whose lives display a sinful lifestyle. You know, Paul references this in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 11. And there should be certainly no rejoicing over sin. Instead, love sees sin for what it is and seeks the remedy to overcome it. Love is a powerful thing. And so, listen, immediately Paul offered a positive counterpart to this negative statement. He said that love rejoices in the truth. Instead of taking joy in unrighteousness, love takes joy in what's morally right and what's doctrinally sound. Bad behavior often follows bad beliefs. But love finds satisfaction in what's true and what follows righteousness. So finally, in verse 7, Paul, Paul summed up his description of love with, with an emphatic series declaring what's always true about love. Again, in verse 7, it says that love bears all things. Love believes all things. It hopes all things. And love endures all things. So before we move on to the, to the last four verses, and we see how love never ends, here's another question. As a believer in Jesus Christ, how can you make love your priority? The world has to see this right now, church, that, that Christ's love in us and our love for Him is a priority in our lives. So as a believer in Jesus Christ, how can you make your love, uh, make love your priority? So now let's move on to verses 8 through 12. And we see how love never ends. Even Paul says this at the beginning of verse 8. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, they will come to an end. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will come to an end. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will come to an end. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put aside childish things. For now we see only a reflection, as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully, as I am fully known. Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these, Paul tells us, is love. Love never ends. Love is superior to the spiritual gifts because of its lasting uh, permanent nature. Love never ends, church. As for prophecies and tongues and knowledge, Paul asserted that they'll cease and, and, and eventually pass away. The gifts are temporary, but love is permanent. The return of Christ will bring an end to the, to the partial and usher in the perfect. And, and Paul um, employed two illustrations here. The first one was this. He compared the, the partial character of spiritual gifts, gifts to the process of, of physical maturation. A child isn't expected to remain a child forever, but grow into adulthood. He compared the partial uh, nature of spiritual gifts to seeing in, in a mirror dimly. Secondly, the reflection is imperfect, only partially representing the full reality uh, of what it projects. When the perfect comes, Paul anticipated seeing face to face. 
These illustrations, church, in closing, are intended to clarify that spiritual gifts are temporary, pointing to something greater, while love is perfect, remaining forever. And so listen, I again, I want to challenge you as a believer in Jesus Christ, how can you make love your priority? And not only that, listen, it's like, it's like I talk about that sponge. We take in and we take in and we take in. What are we doing to squeeze that love out of that sponge that God's filled up so? I want to challenge you. Be authentic. Love like Christ loved us the best that we can. Be authentic in this world where not much is authentic. And love with a reckless abandonment. Those around you. Allow me to pray. God, thank you. Thank you for your amazing grace. God, thank you for the love that, that saved us the love that remains in us, and the love that you want to flow through us into a lost and dying world. God, I thank you for Paul. I thank you for this passage of Scripture. And God, I pray for your blessings upon our people today. God, bless them, abundantly use them. And God, I pray for this day, God, that they will be a channel for the Holy Spirit to work through. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.